Hey, you guys, welcome to the Main and Magic Podcast, your stop for all things Disney. I'm your host, Dawn Brown, and this is episode 39. Whether you're adventuring in the parks or at home via Disney Entertainment, I'm here to bring you the guests and info that'll pixie dust your experience, and we're picking up lots of new friends along the way. You can catch the links to our audio recordings on our website at mainandmagic.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Just search for the Main and Magic Podcast. After the show, we invite you to join our community on Facebook to share your thoughts about each topic and to connect with other Disney fans. In this episode, I sit down with Disney College Program alumni, author, and podcaster Connor Brown to talk about his two distinctly different Disney College Program roles and what, or rather who, inspired him to work for the Walt Disney Company. We talk guest stories, how he ended up on a backstage tour of the Haunted Mansion, and his best advice to anyone preparing for their own college program. This is part one of a two-part episode. So join us on the Red Car Trolley as we take a ride to the crossroads of Maine and Magic. Welcome aboard, everybody. Climb on up and grab a seat. It's been a while since we have done a cast member stories episode. So I am happy to welcome today's guest aboard the trolley with us. He is a former two-time Disney College program participant. He is author of the book Yacht Club to Diamond Mine, My Journey to Working at One of Walt Disney World's Most Popular Attractions. He is the host of the podcast WDW Opinion, co-owner of Magical Park Tours, which offers concierge tours at Walt Disney World, and a travel agent with Magical Park Vacations. And he is Connor Brown. Welcome aboard, Connor. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you for having me. Man, that sounds... That intro makes me sound much busier than I actually am, but uh, (laughs) sounds like I got a lot going on. I was think I was actually thinking I'm like this is a legit Disney rap sheet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rap sheet's a good way to uh, to put it. You know, rap sheet like a prison prison sort of thing. You know, that's my rap sheet. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna touch on a lot of these things, but I want to start with your college programs. So normally here I would ask what inspired you to apply to the Disney College program, but you actually have a really interesting story that I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of now and going into the future, and that is that you're actually a second-generation Disney College programmer. You got that right. Yep. My um, mom uh, did it back in the day. And she doesn't like when I say back in the day, but she did it back in the day. And it was actually called the Magic Kingdom College Program when she did it because Epcot was still in its infancy. It was just a few years old. Um, She came down in the summer. And from what I've been led to believe, that's kind of how it started. It wasn't a full year-long behemoth that it is right now. It wasn't even really that much semester-based. It was kind of 
you would come down for the summer and it was like a summer internship, summer job sort of thing. Um, she did that. She worked on the People Mover and um, the Astro Orbiter. It was called the Star Jets back then. Um, and it was actually called the Wedway back then as well. So it's both of those attractions have changed names. Uh, but, you know, we grew up going to Walt Disney World. Um, we would go all the time, my family. And it probably wasn't until middle school when we were on the People Mover, when my mom said, you know, I used to work on this ride. And I just couldn't comprehend that. I couldn't understand how my mom, someone I've known my <laughs> whole life, could have been so cool to work in Walt Disney World, this truly magical and, and awesome place that I loved. And then also to work on this ride that we would always go on. Um, I think in that moment, I kind of knew, you know what, I have to do that. I have to follow in those footsteps. And before I knew where I was going to go to college, before I knew what I was going to study, I knew I wanted to participate in the Disney college program. Um, it was a very different college program from the one that my mom uh, worked on, but I'm happy to report that I did get that opportunity uh, to do it. And, you know, like Don said, I, I did back-to-back -back college programs. So I got to go uh, for even longer than than my mom's college program lasted. And, and it was pretty, pretty awesome. But I'm glad that I was able to continue that legacy in the Brown household. Do you think that you would have thought of it on your own eventually if you didn't know that your mom had worked for the company? I think so. Yeah. I just in, you know, how, how much of a fan I was of Walt Disney world, how I was constantly on, you know, the message boards and, and social media and, and researching everything I could possibly learn about the company. I definitely would have stumbled across it at some point. Um, I think it would have just come later down the road. It wouldn't have been in my kind of, of, you know, my my journey it wouldn't have been this focal point that I was focusing on for so long but I think I definitely would have come across it and I I'd like to think most likely I, I would have applied for it even if my mom had had not done it but at the same time you know you have to think if my mom didn't do that would we be as big of Disney fans um uh, uh if she as when she did it you, you know is that kind of the the thing of why she wanted to take her family continuously because she had such great memories working there. Um, I don't know. I kind of think about that the same with, um, do you know Disney's America, that theme park that they were going to build? Oh, like, yes. Outside of DC <laughs> in Virginia. Yeah. So I'm from just outside of DC in uh, Maryland, in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, that's where I grew up. And, you know, I often would think about how wow, that would have been awesome if they were able to build this Disney theme park right by where I lived. I would have gone all the time. But then I kind of, you know, started to think, well, I don't really go to the monuments that much. You know, I don't really do all the DC sightseeing stuff. Like if it was in my backyard, I wonder, would I have been as big of a fan? Would I have taken it for granted? So on some level, I was always kind of, you know, I guess happy that it didn't come through just because, who knows where life would have would have taken us and and that kind of goes back to who knows if if we would have been big disney fans if if my mom didn't do it and if i would have gotten on this on this path if she didn't you know kind of lay the groundwork before 
let's talk about your programs. So you did two programs back to back. When did you do them? Or, you know, like what year was it? What were your roles and what locations did you work at? Sure. So my first one was, uh, it started in August of 2015 and it went to January of 2016. And that one, I worked front desk at the Yacht and Beach Club Resort. Um, So front desk, um, it's not concierge. It's literally checking in and checking out. So that was the front desk component of it. Um, The thing about Yacht and Beach Club that was so interesting is, even though it is two different resorts, um, they are very much intertwined together. Obviously, they're physically connected, um, but from a staffing perspective, they're also connected. Um, Same break room, that sort of stuff. So you'd get your schedule and you'd see, hey, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm working at the beach club. You know, Friday, Saturday, I'm working at, you know, the yacht club. Um, So you kind of balance that and and take it as that. Um, I liked it a lot. It was great. I loved, you know, being able to help guests answer their questions about their vacation while they were there, all that stuff. Um, when I was doing it, we also had a position called curbside, which is when you would check in online and you would arrive. I would be there with an iPad welcoming you there. If your magic bands were waiting for you at the resort, I would get them for you. I'd lay out the, uh, the map for you of the resort and kind of get you on your way, get your vacation started. So I really loved being able to do that. Um, being able to interact with the guests and then also being in the hotel, it's unique because the guest checks in and then you kind of see them every once in a while as their vacation goes, as they pop in the lobby, you catch up with them, you see how their day is going, how their trip is going. Um, so I really, really enjoyed that. And then I decided to continue to delay the real life, uh, as much as possible. (laughs) And I, um, applied for a second college program, um, which immediately picked up right after my first one ended. So that second one went from January of 2016 through May of 2016 as well. Uh, In that one, I was working at Seven Doors Mine Train in the Magic Kingdom. Um, It's very interesting because you go from this very quiet kind of, of landscape in the Yacht and Beach Club and working front desk at the Yacht and Beach Club to then working at what was then the most popular attraction in the most popular theme park in the entire world. Very, very, very different. And this juxtaposition of the fact that you're working for the same company and you're only like a mile and a half down the road, but it just feels like two completely different worlds. That was something very, very interesting that I had to kind of wrap my head around transitioning from one to the other. Um, Working on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train had its moments of craziness for sure, but I still loved it uh, nonetheless. So very different roles, uh, a very fun year I spent working for the mouse on those two college programs. Now, when you applied, I don't remember that you found out your role until you arrived. Is that right? So you did find out your role because you could, you know, confirm or deny if you wanted that. So the way it worked when I did it, um, and they're always changing things, so it might be a little different right now. uh, You would kind of do your top three roles that you wanted, and then you got what you got. 
But if you showed interest in any role, there was always a possibility that you could get that role. Then when your acceptance letter comes, it then says you have been accepted in the Disney College program at the blank role. It doesn't say your location. It doesn't say uh, the hotel, whatever. It just says your role. When you check in for your college program, when you arrive at college program housing, that's when you find out where your role actually is. So in that case, I showed up in August of 2015. I knew I was working front desk. I didn't know what hotel I was going to be working at. As I check in, I get my apartment number, I find out my roommates, and then that's also where I found out that I'd be working at the Yacht and Beach Club. Same thing kind of went for attractions. Um, I found out that I was going to be working in attractions. Uh, Then I didn't find out what uh, attraction I was working at until later on, but that was a little different because I could, I was already in the system, so I could see oh, I got scheduled for Welcome to Magic Kingdom. Oh, I got scheduled for Welcome to Fantasyland training. I know I'll be working somewhere in Fantasyland in the Magic Kingdom. And then eventually they said, hey, you're going to work on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. So so that first acceptance that you got, it literally said front desk. Yeah, that was the name of the role. So front desk was... One role, concierge, was a totally different role. So there, okay. those were two different options. And your title on front desk is it's one of three things, and it varies by resort. You could be a front desk cashier, which everyone was trained in at the very beginning. That's what you start with. That's your main role. And the front desk cashier is literally the person that stands at the front desk that checks you in and checks you out. Um, They're called a cashier because you do have to take money, whether it's a credit card or a check or cash, um, if people have to pay for their rooms. The other two roles that were available at Yacht and Beach Club was the one I had talked about before, curbside, which is where you're checking in online people outside, welcoming them. And then the third was what they called runner. And runner is basically as the name implies, you're running to do certain errands and it could be any sort of thing. It could be, um, you know, helping guests recover lost items that were at a park. You drive over there, you pick stuff up, um, a whole slew of things at some resorts like at Caribbean beach, a runner, it's a whole other thing cause it's so massive and you're doing so much more. So oh, those yeah. elements, yeah, they kind of vary from resort to resort. But the main thing, front desk, that means front desk cashier. You're checking people in, you're checking them out. That's so interesting because it was the same way when I did it. So I got my acceptance letter in 2001 and it said your role. And then when you check in, you find out you're working at this park in this location. So it's funny how... Like the process is still the same, but just the delivery is probably different. I I don't know if you get an email. We got mail, like old school with the stamp. (laughs) But yeah, they always used to say that. Yeah, like college admissions people always used to say that too. They always used to say back in the day, you would get, you knew if it was an acceptance letter to a college, if it was a thick, um, you know, envelope. (laughs) It was thin, you didn't get in. Now it's, you know, you got in if the email has an attachment, which is like your 
welcome letter, basically. Yeah, so that's cool. All right. Um, so when people apply for the college program, at least when I applied, you probably have something in your mind that is a wish list role. Like, I hope I get put in XYZ Park or I hope I get to, and I remember a big one when I was doing it, uh, was the great movie ride or the jungle cruise. Mm -hmm. Did you have Mm -hmm. a, a wish list thing that you were hoping you would get placed at, or were you just kind of like YOLO I'll take whatever. (laughs) It was a little bit of that. I think, um, it, when it come, when it came to front desk, I, I had this thing of I didn't want to work at the All-Stars. And that was mainly because <laughs> I had I'd stayed at the All-Stars with my lacrosse team for like spring training in high school. And I just, in a weird way, I didn't want to deal with me as a high school kid, <laughs> you know? And I was like, that's all it's going to be. Um, because I love the All-Stars. I think they're great. They're awesome. But like... I was like, oh, gosh, the groups of high school teenage boys. Gosh, forget about that, playing lacrosse. Um, and and I'm sure if I was there, I would have loved it. I had so many coworkers who, you know, came from the All-Stars and, the, and they loved it just as much as when they were working at Yacht and Beach. When it came to attractions, I think I'm, I'm kind of right in the same line there. I would have loved uh, Jungle Cruise or Kilimanjaro Safaris. I feel like I would have thrived there. I may or may <laughs> not have my own monologue for the Jungle Cruise made up. If they ever do, you know, cold call me, I'm ready to go, ready to roll. Um, but I know the same sort of thing. There were certain things I knew I didn't want to work in attractions. And it was mainly It's a Small World. Um, just because <laughs> I don't know what I would have done if I had to listen to that song all the time and it was also very chaotic so it was so funny learning okay you know i i don't want to do it's a small world i don't want to do it's a small world please don't put me there and then i get accepted in attractions and i'm like okay attractions please don't be it's a small world please don't be it's a small world and then i found out you're working at magic kingdom and i was like oh please don't be, it's a small world. And then the next week I found out I was working in fantasy land and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, please. <laughs> no small world. And then finally a week after that, you know, a week of not sleeping because I thought I knew where I was going to work and it was, it's a small world. Um, I found out that it was going to be seven doors mine train. And I was like, okay, I, I can handle that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy with where I got put, but um, I think there's bucket list stuff and there's, the opposite of the bucket list. Um, but I'm, I'm glad with both places that I got, I got placed. Well, that's good. Okay. So you talked about some of what your role was at the front desk at the yacht club. So checking people in, uh, cashier doing curbside. What were some of the things that were surprising that were, you know, on your, in your job description, if you will, with your role at Yacht and Beach Club? When you're working front desk, you're, you know, your seven, eight hour shift, you're, you're there the whole time. I mean, you're just standing at 
what they call a station and stations basically like the computer that you log into for the day. Um, you have your bank, which is like your, you know, cash to make change. Um, and you have a couple pieces of paper that you have to take notes with for clerical sort of, sort of things. If you get certain payments, but for the most part, you're standing there. A lot of the resorts now have this thing where, front desk cashiers will also kind of be on this rotation of like some will stand in the lobby in case people just want to come up and ask them random questions about that. Some will stand in front of the desk. Some will always be behind the desk. We started doing that when I was at Yacht and Beach Club. Like that was a, a new kind of thing coming to the Walt Disney World Resort. Um, but for the most part, you're, you're standing at your station for the duration of your, your day. Some things I thought were very interesting was the amount of Disney uh, gift cards people would use to pay down their room balance. Oh um, yeah. I always, yeah, I always knew the, 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 not really hack, but a smart way of doing the, you get a target red card, uh, you buy Disney gift cards at target um, with your red card because all target purchases with your red card, 5% back. Um, so you get like that free money back and then what you can do is you take that stack of, of Disney gift cards that you bought at Target, um, and you come back to the, the front desk at different periods during your vacation and you pay down all of your room balance, like everything you're charging to the room on your magic band. Um, it was always so funny to me, people would come up, you know, and they'd have a stack of 10 gift cards and they said hey let's use these on on my room all right no problem uh, see him two days later 10 more hey let's use these on my room no problem <laughs> that was always something interesting um just because we didn't ever do that growing up um we you know just did it the normal way that you pay off a room so that that was uh interesting but it was also asking you know answering and being as helpful as i possibly could um telling people how to get to the parks, uh, you know, showing them back in the day how to use FastPass Plus, um, how to log in and create an account, magic bands, what they did, um, places to eat, those sorts of things. Uh, that's where I, I really enjoyed helping people because I would be able to demonstrate my Disney knowledge. And then at times it was also interesting the fact that Yacht Club has a convention center and it's actually the second biggest convention center on property next to uh, Coronado Springs. So they would get so many conventions in there at the Yacht Club. And it was always funny when we get a convention and people would show up to Walt Disney World, they would check into their Disney hotel and they just weren't about any of the Disney stuff. They were there for the convention. Uh, they All they were going to do was that um, totally fine, totally acceptable. That was always interesting, uh, to kind of handle because me being an Uber Disney fan, I would have to kind of process that as I'm checking someone in and say to myself, <laughs> Connor, reel it in. This guy doesn't want to hear your Disney fun facts. He's just trying to have a good conference for himself. So those were, those were interesting things for sure. Um, but that's kind of, you know, the normal stuff that you would do at, at front desk. Seven Dwarfs was completely different then. So now you're shifting over to a very capacity operational role. Yep. 
how how was the training for that? Because now you now you have safety manuals, and I would imagine more training than say, you know, my two days of training in merchantainment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because front desk was so much more training than attractions. Like, oh, I can imagine. More. Yeah. Probably. Um, I think you said weeks in your book. Was that right? Like two weeks? Weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was like, you know, a solid week and a half at Disney University, the, the main training place behind the Magic Kingdom, which was like, you know, traditions. And then it was, you know, welcome to hospitality, welcome to lodging, welcome to deluxe resorts, welcome to front desk. And then it was front desk cashier training and that was like three or four or five solid days of eight hours we're learning how to check people in how to check them out the process the payment systems taking cash all of this crazy stuff and then because i was working at beach club i also had welcome to dvc and how do we check in dvc people how do we check out dvc people yeah and all the points so that because you know when you Ooh. work at Beach Club, you have to know how to do all that. Um, when it came to a tra- and then and then you're on the desk for like six days of there's someone standing next to you, you're observing, then they're observing you, and that's six shifts of being trained on the desk on stage. Um, the roller coaster attractions was was different. Um, there was a, you know, welcome to Magic Kingdom. We also had a welcome to Yacht and Beach Club, which is kind of like orientation to the resort. They walk you around. It's great. We had a welcome to Fantasyland. Um, and then you had a lot of one-on-one time with your your trainer. For me, it was interesting because it was me and this other guy. We were both being trained by one trainer um, kind of for the duration. We, we had one or two like here or there um but we were always together being being trained for like the the week or so that that it was was going on i think the interesting thing about the the difference is like just how many differences there are when it comes to like a normal day at front desk versus a normal day at attractions and i think the important thing to note is also no two attractions are created equal so it could be completely different at another attraction in the same theme park or in a different theme park or what have you. But where front desk was, you clock in and you're working, you know, for eight hours in, in one position and you have your, you know, 45 minute long lunch break or, or whatever it was, an hour long lunch break, actually, when it came to attractions, you were constantly changing your position Um, so like if you think about how many cast members you interact with by the time you get into a line versus, and then the time you get off of the ride, every single one of those cast members is, is working a role in that attraction. So you have the greeter who's there. If you're on a height restricted ride, checking heights and welcoming people into the line, you have someone who's setting up disability access service return times. You have someone working, then the fast pass lane, now the lightning lane, 
checking magic bands. You have someone at, you know, lightning lane, fast pass merge, where the two points come together. You have someone at wheelchair assist who's helping people with wheelchairs. Then you have people loading the train. You have people putting people into rows, checking lap bars, uh, taking people off the ride. There's a thing called tower, which is like you're in the back and you're looking at all the screens. So there's all of these different roles that you have to be trained on that have different idiosyncrasies and quirks that you kind of have to understand. Um, and then when it came to the, the, the actual day so you were working, you would only ever work one position for like 30 minutes. And then something would come that they called rotation. And rotation was someone would come in and say, hey, you're getting rotated to a new position. You would switch to that position. The other person would fill you. Whoever was working at the position you were filling, they would go to another one and so on and so forth. And that's basically just to break up the monotony, right? Yeah. If you're standing there checking lap bars for eight hours, you'd go crazy. You'd go absolutely crazy. If you're doing it for 30 minutes, you get a little crazy too. But at least at 30 minutes, you know, okay, I'm going to be switched to something else. And the time, 30 minutes, of course, it can differ here to there. Um, but it was always cool knowing, okay, I, I'm not going to be here the whole day. What was funny is sometimes, you know, it would just so happen where, wow, I keep getting pushed. I keep getting bumped to front gates, which is like you're loading people on and you're opening the gates for people to get on the train. I've worked that like three times today. I keep getting put there. It's always just the luck of the draw when it comes to those sorts of things. Um, and then even with breaks, you know, working front desk, you'd get your hour long lunch break. When you worked at attractions, at least at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you would get one 30 minute break and then you get two 15 minute breaks. And they were kind of interspersed within your whole eight hour shift. Um, so that was even different. Clocking in was even different. Like there were just all these different processes and procedures that were completely different uh, when it came to front desk versus working attractions. Yeah, it's almost like you had two completely like uh, two different jobs at two different companies. Like <laughs> totally different. Your whole yeah. like daily routine is totally different. How you get to work is totally different. Where you park, yep. where you take your breaks, like the whole L of it's totally different. Um, so you got you got a wide education there then. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Big so time. going into both of these front desk and attractions. Did you have any misconceptions going in that you realized later, like, whoa, I was totally wrong about this? Misconceptions? I don't know. I think you, I think you always think of it's going to be this absolute dream and, and nothing's ever going to go wrong. And it's going to be magical because that's what you've experienced as a guest. But I think the biggest misconception is the fact that you just always have to remind yourself that, hey, even though this is really cool, even though this is something I've always wanted to do, it's at the end of the day, still a job. Like You still have to get up. You still have to go to work. You still have to clock in and you still have to be focused just on this job for the time being that your shift occurs in. So I think 
fantasizing or romanticizing the roles kind of leading into it. Um, That was kind of a a misconception. Um, But I think you always, you know, hope for for the best sort of thing. You always think it's going to be this incredible thing. And it was. It was absolutely sensational. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. And I tell everyone who thinks about doing it to do it. But I also say, if you go in thinking you're going to be gallivanting across the park and riding all these rides and having all this fun, there's time for that for sure. But you still have a job to do. It's still work. You still have to clock in every day. Knowing that, having that mindset, I think really can help a lot of people um, understand and kind of expect, you know, what to expect when they're when they're going into it. I don't think I had too many other misconceptions. I think one misconception might have been uh, I thought people might be closer to me when it came to the level of knowledge about the Disney parks. But then I realized, (laughs) well, I had way too much free time on my hand as a child. So clearly no one has that kind of free time. And that's why I know all of this crazy stuff. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, everyone not being kind of on the same, same level, um, or even coming. I mean, so many times you would sit there at like the front desk and someone would be like, so where's Walt Disney world. And you'd be like, Hey, (laughs) you're in it, buddy. You're here. Oh God. I worked at the studios and we would get, you know, where is the ET ride? And it's like, Oh, you spent all this money. (laughs) I had um, someone once. Yeah, you spent all this money and and you didn't like look at an attractions list before you got here. Um, I had someone once come up to the front desk and say, "Uh, my kids are back home. I need to get them some souvenirs. Where can I find the Harry Potter merch? And I was like, oh, got some bad news for you. That's actually universal. They're down the road about 20 minutes, arch rival. We don't have any of that. They're like, oh, okay. So where can I find the Minions merch then? And I was like, oh, yeah, over two, also <laughs> universal. And then she proceeded to say, no Harry Potter, no Minions. So what do you have? And I said, literally every other character you can think of. Um, and I don't know what she ended up buying. But when they say things like, you know, there's that old adage of like, what time's the three o'clock parade? You know, like those sorts of things, it might seem silly to you, but they're asking them sincerely. You know, when they're saying, where is Walt Disney World? What do they mean? They mean, where's the Magic Kingdom? Like that's, they don't, they can't connect the two like that. And it's not anything other than there's so much information out there. They didn't know where to start. They wanted to have fun, but they didn't know where to start when it comes to like learning that sort of stuff. So I think from a misconception thing, just manage your expectations that there are going to be some interesting questions. They're going to be asked a lot, um, but always remember, even if you're hearing this question for the millionth time, and it's so crazy that someone's asking it again for the millionth time, it's the first time they're asking it. It might be the millionth time you've heard it, but it's the first time they're asking it and you should treat it as such. So those are some misconceptions that I think I had going into it. Totally agree with that. I, and I, I feel you on the, I thought everybody else 
would also be this way. (laughs) And then I met one of my roommates who had never been to a single Disney park ever. So she was like experiencing everything on her college program. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. (laughs) So that was the same. Yeah. Same with me. I I thought everyone even going into the program was going to be the same, but there were so many people who, you know, there are plenty of people like me who would go all the time and knew everything. And then there were plenty of people who had never been before and just saw this as a cool opportunity and, and jumped at it. Okay. So you were talking about a, a guest interaction, uh, where, where they were referencing universal things. Did you have any other like particularly memorable guest interactions in either of your roles that were either funny or heartwarming or a complete disaster? <laughs> um, I'll start with the disaster one and then I'll do a heartwarming one because I don't want to end on disaster. <laughs> um, the I was working one day at Mine Train and um, the roller coaster went down. And so what we had to do was we had to stop the ride. We had to go out onto the track and we had to get people off the roller coaster and, you know, what they call evac them out, evacuate them off, off the roller coaster. Um, only a certain percentage of cast members goes out onto the track to evac people. Everyone else will like either stay in the station at certain roles or go up to the front of the entrance and say, hey, we're having technical difficulties. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be up soon. Um, I was doing that on this occurrence. I was up front. I get up front. My one coworker turns to me and goes, that guy's crazy, and points to some guy who's like very like amped up, like discontent. And I go, oh, sir, what's what seems to be the problem? And um, he goes, my kids are stuck on the roller coaster. You need to let me through right now so I can go get them. And I said, oh, sir, you know, we, we understand for, for your safety, you're going to have to wait here. We have our, our cast members in there who are helping them off the ride. And he goes, no, you don't understand. They're stuck on the ride. I have to go get them. And I said, no, I, I get it. But unfortunately, you, you just have to stay here. It's just for your safety. And then he said, yeah, well, for your safety, you better let me through. And then I said, uh-oh. I said, sir, was uh, was that a threat by chance? And he goes, uh, 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 and then turns around and, and walks away. Um, I won't blame that guy for anything. I think there's a lot of crazy things going on, of course, with that. There's a lot of uncertainty. He was just in the moment. But then his kids get off, and the funny thing was, their mom was with them the whole time. So I don't know what the guy thought he, he could have done, but his mom seemed pretty capable to me. Um, and he, they come, they come out and he makes a big, big to do about this and says, Oh, thank gosh. You're, you all are all right. Uh, while you were stuck on that coaster, I was too busy dealing with Tweedledee and Tweedledum over here and pointed at me and my coworker. Um, and I think we both just turned and started like laughing hysterically at our t- <laughs> Like, just what a crazy, crazy situation. Um, you ever have those moments where someone says something and like hours later you think of a good comeback? 
I had that scenario where I was like, oh, shoot, I should have said, sir, Tweedledee and Tweedledum are actually down by the Mad Tea Party featuring Alice in Wonderland. Uh, you can meet them there. <laughs> but of course, I thought of I that way a, too late. But I think there's a Seinfeld episode about this exact scenario, like where you yes, think of the comeback the- later. <laughs> Yes, it's um the jerk store called and they're running out of you. That's the exactly. Seinfeld. Exactly. Yep, that's yep. it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the hey George, the ocean called. They're running out of shrimp. Yeah, that's a classic Seinfeld episode. <laughs> classic Seinfeld. Um. So yeah, that was that was a crazy one. Um, people get very upset in the park, which is why I'm I'm sure you know you get this now too, Don being a former cast member you have a new perspective for cast members in the park and i think you probably go out of your way to to treat them with the most respect possible even more so than you did any any cast member that is doing parade control oh, like yeah. crowd control for, they they need a hug 100 oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and you know i think that everyone who's listening to this can, can hopefully understand that and, and use that on their next trips and, and thank cast members as profusely and as much as they can. Um, but I think at the end of the day, when people do get really upset, I would always say to my fellow coworkers, Hey guys, they're getting upset over a roller coaster. That's two minutes and 30 seconds. I think they have some bigger problems going on. Um, and it's all about just putting things in perspective and laughing about, crazy, crazy situations after they occur. That being said, there were ample opportunities to make magic. I know things like a couple times uh, uh, there would be kids in line at Mine Train and they were just like, I am not getting, I am terrified. There's no way I'm going on that thing. And I would try to like coach them through it. Like, hey, if you go on this, you're going to see Snow White. Could you say hello to Snow White for me? And like putting them at ease. Um, And then when they come off and they're not crying anymore and they loved it, I would always really like seeing that because then what I would do is I'd say, that's great. You want to go again? And I'd let them ride again. Um, So I loved making magic those little ways. Um, and I tried to do it as much as possible, as much as I could. Um, one other story that sticks out, which I love to tell, is one that occurred at Yacht and Beach Club. Um, I was checking in um, a, a woman. She came up to me and said, I'm here to check in. And I just have to tell you, we have to find the beast. I'm here with my sister. We came last year. We couldn't meet the beast anywhere. We have to meet the beast. And I go, okay, all right, let's get you checked in and and we'll go over some some opportunities to to meet the beast. We checked her in, and then I come to find out that she's there with her um her her adult sister who has special needs. Um, so it was like a sister trip that they were taking, and um her sister loved the beast, wanted to meet the beast. So after that, I was like, all right, here's where you can meet them. Sometimes, you know, Beast might be wandering around France and Epcot. You can see the show Beauty and the Beast in Hollywood Studios. You can sometimes see him in the parades that were going on at that time. 
And then also at Be Our Guest Restaurant. Um, it's very hard to get a reservation, but keep trying and, and maybe you might be able to see the beast there. So she's like, okay, great. We'll we'll try all that. She comes back a couple days later and I'm talking to her and I'm like, hey, how's it going? What's uh, what's What's the word? She's like, oh, it's great. We're having a great time. We still haven't been able to meet the beast. And I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll figure something out. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. And I'm like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. So I was talking to my manager. What I was able to do is I, I went down to the, the gift shop at the yacht club and I just bought like a couple little like beauty and the beast souvenirs. Um, and I delivered them to the room and I said, Hey, I just want to let you know the beast knows you're here and he looked forward to meeting you very soon. Um, and I saw all of this, not knowing how in the world the beast was actually going to meet them, but I'd figured we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, we'll figure it out. Um, I then spent the rest of the week, like in my free time calling the entertainment hotline, like the, the, the backstage number for entertainment. Like, do you do a meet and greet? Do you do the meet and greet? Can we meet the beast? Can we meet the beast? And I just wasn't getting anywhere. Unfortunately, it was just like way too complicated, way too hard to, to kind of figure out. So I saw him again and I said, listen, here's this option. I'm trying to do something. I have no idea if it's going to work. If all else fails, go up to be our guest and just say, can we just go in and look and look at the beast while he's standing there? And that's that. And I was like, just like say that story basically. And she's like, okay, you know, whatever. Next day she comes back and says, have I have, do I have a story for you? And she was, you know, smiling ear to ear. And she said, we went up, like you said, to be our guest. I said, here's the deal. We just want to see him. Can we do that? They said, no problem. They walk them in, which they don't do. That's not a normal occurrence. Um, they walked them in. They got to meet the beast. And then after that, the cast member says, so was that great? Did you like it? And they were like, oh, it was awesome. And then the cast member goes, well, how'd you like to eat here for dinner as well? And like that scene in Goodfellas pulled up a table seemingly <laughs> out of nowhere in the back. And they sat them at um, like in the main ballroom and they got to eat at be our guest with the beast right, you know, behind them. Um, and she was like in tears telling me the story about how, how happy her sister was and how meaningful it was. And I don't know if, you know, those two will ever remember that. I mean, I think it was very impactful in the moment and they were very appreciative, even though at the end of the day, I didn't, wasn't really able to do a whole lot other than just offer suggestions. Um, but I know that, I will always have that story to tell and I'll always cherish that story as something that is very meaningful to me and a very important memory I have when it comes to working on the college program because what I thought I wanted to do was was just work at Walt Disney World but I soon realized that why I really wanted this position why I really wanted this opportunity was I wanted to be in a way doing the same things that so many cast members had done for me by creating the magic, by doing these little things. So it was almost like I was giving back to the company that I had so many incredible memories with. And I think that being able to help that and create that memory for those people was, was pretty awesome. So I loved being able to do that. I think that is a very common thread for college program students 
that already loved the company, like already felt that connection. Like, and that's probably why they wanted to work there in the first place. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think going back to why I wanted to do it because my mom had done it, but because we would go there all the time and I thought it was so cool and I would, you know, run into countless, um, cast members who who were in that same position who just wanted to help make the magic and even if you have tough days and even though like working on the mind train it was all about having as many people ride the ride as humanly possible in a day so that they could have fun riding that ride so it was hard to interact with people in a one-to-one setting because you were trying to be as efficient as possible but if you think about it from a perspective of well, maybe I wasn't interacting with them as much, but because I was being as efficient as possible, because I was being as safe as possible, we were able to have thousands and thousands of people ride this ride every day and help them create those memories. Well, then you were part of the big, the bigger wheel. You were the cog in the in the bigger wheel helping to create this magic, even if it seemed at times like it wasn't like you were doing that much sort of thing. And I hope other people understood that as they were doing their jobs as well. Okay. Let's talk about some less operational, a little bit more fun. Being a cast member affords you opportunities that are not available to non-cast members from time to time. So did you get to have any like special experiences that you could have only had because you were a cast member? I mean, you know, just being backstage, I feel like is a is a special opportunity. You know, backstage at the Yacht and Beach Club isn't that glamorous. Um, <laughs> it's just a lot of, uh, you know, offices, basically, and break rooms. Um, but it still is cool to to be back there. Um, being backstage at Magic Kingdom, I do think is is cooler from like an operation standpoint, like seeing how everything works. And Going into the utilidors, which are those, you know, uh, those corridors underneath the theme park, and and seeing all that infrastructure, those things were very cool. But there were a couple of backstage tours that I got to go on. That you know, some of these elements they open up to the public for like paid tours, but there was one in particular that just like no one can can really do. One was I got to ride Space Mountain with the lights on. That was very, very cool. Got to Magic Kingdom very, very early. Um, Rode Space Mountain with the lights on. Then rode Space Mountain without the lights. And uh, that was pretty awesome. I got to take a backstage tour um, of Fantasmic. So seeing, you know, the inner workings of the mountain and seeing where uh, characters come out and seeing how the boat operates and the pyrotechnics. And there was actually like an entertainment cast member who was like in charge of special effects leading the tour, which was really cool hearing Dang, from I am super jealous right now. I worked phantasmic vending yeah. and I didn't get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that was, we had a good leadership team at yacht and beach club who would like set up these things. And I think in actuality, they set up these things because they wanted to go on the tours just as much yeah, as they wanted probably. to let their <laughs> cast. So um, that one was really, really cool. 
And then I think the one that everyone is just like, how did you do that? Is the Haunted Mansion backstage tour that I took. That one was, was so the way that these backstage tours would work is the leadership team at, at Yacht and Beach Club would be like, hey, we're doing this one. The sign-up sheet is in the break room. We only have this many sp- you know spots. Sign up first. And I would like sprint to the break room. I was going like, to say, is it like UFC? Like, wow. <laughs> like old oh, school yeah. I think, WWF I think for, SummerSlam? <laughs> oh, yeah. There were chairs. It was a TLC. It was a ta- <laughs> tables, ladders, and chairs match. And um, I heard a lot of people, but I got my name on that list. I think actually for Haunted Mansion, I wasn't there that day. And I was like, oh, I was like texting everyone. I'm like, you got to forge my name. You got to write my name down. And um, I was able to get on it. Thank goodness. And we got there at, oh man, we got there at like zero dark 30. I mean, it was so early in the morning when we got to Magic Kingdom because we had to do this thing, this tour well before they started running the ride to test stuff out before they started doing certain checks before any, you know, guest was even close to coming into the park. Um, and we started backstage and it, this was very cool as well. Leading the tour were two haunted mansion maids and butlers. So cast members who worked the ride were leading the tour, just like the same thing with phantasmic, um, which I think was really cool because it, it, it shows that they're, they're super prideful of the attraction that they, they work on. And the attra- the, this tour was literally the, the lights were on for the most part. And we walked the track, like, you know, weaving in and out of the doom buggies. Cause they're just stopped right there and walking around, uh, going into every single, you know, area learning about. The scenes, they would stop and tell stories about each scene. We got to pet the crow, um, which is featured in in several locations. Like you pet the crow for good luck. And then towards the end, we're walking through the attic scene with with um, uh, the bride. And then we're going through the graveyard scene at the end. And then they said, you know what, guys, you are such a great group. We're going to do something that we don't typically do. And who knows if they say that every single time, but we are a very well-behaved group. So they said, follow us. We went outside the building. We came back into the building a different way. I took three steps into the building. And the next thing I knew, I looked to my left. I saw something and I couldn't believe what I saw. And then I stepped foot, you know, one step further and I was in the ballroom scene. So Shut the front we were, door. <laughs> yeah. So the thing to my left that I saw was the broken down hearse with the coffin falling out of it, which is over in that back right corner. And I was like, there, there's no way this is happening. And we walked into that and they were like, listen, you can't touch anything in no. this room. But they told us stories about how there were certain things on the dining table there that were like these little trinkets from past cast members or Imagineers, or there were some like people who loved the attraction so much and would like petition Disney. Like, can you put my Christmas card here? Our mom loved it. She passed away. She'd love to be part of the haunted mansion. And they, they put that one there, but they didn't, you know, 
nothing else, right? And you learn all these stories and you're just standing there in awe in this massive room and you're thinking, how did I possibly get here? That was so cool. So from down there, question, just because it came to me, from down there, can you, do you have a good eyesight, uh, like eyeline of the Pepper's ghost effect? Yeah, so then what we did was we went around that and then went into the room with the dancing Pepper's ghosts animatronics. So you can see them right there. It's glass and you can see them. But then we kind of went in and and saw them from like head on angle. Um, And it's so interesting in just how rudimentary they are. Like it's not anything crazy. They're very basic animatronics and a big light shines on them through the glass that makes that projection. But it was just surreal to see these things that have been there forever and ever and ever. And probably the most iconic Disney attraction of all time. Um, At the end, they gave us this little postcard that says Haunted Mansion Honorary Caretaker, and it is a prized possession of mine. And that was, that was, that was awesome. And then they put us on the ride, um, like the first riders of the day. And we actually got to take flash photos, which you're not allowed to do, even though some people do do it. Um, But that was, that was, that was, incredible that was absolutely insane i that yeah wow i don't i don't think i know anybody who's ever like other than you know a cast member who like worked the attraction like you were saying that got a tour like that yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's awesome. awesome okay so you just mentioned a prized possession do you have any other prized possessions i find that we tend to collect things when we work there. <laughs> oh yeah. I have my name tags. Um, I had two of them. One said my college, one said my hometown. I have them. I have one of them framed in a frame. It's very cool. I have my graduation cap. So like when you, you know, quote unquote graduate from the college program, they give you a set of, of um, ears uh, that has like a, a graduation tassel on it. Um, still have that. That's awesome. I have like every week at Magic Kingdom, they would come out with this new little, I don't know, it's like it's like a little tiny the telecast. index card. The telecast, right. And it's this foldable thing and it's like it, 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 kind of folds like a map but it's super small and it's basically it has everything you could ever think of it has um you know the heights of all the height requirements across the park it has you know transportation it has you know all these phone numbers if anything comes up but then it also has like the hours when the parades occurring when the fireworks are occurring um any special events any weird closures or anything and it would, it's like they would come out with them every week. And there'd be a stack of them in the break room in the mine train. And I would always just take one every week, put it in my back pocket. I would have it for, for the week. And I I just pulled them out the other day, actually. And I believe I was good in the sense that I still have all of them. So I have like one from every week or as close as humanly possible to every week that I worked at, at mine train. 
Who knows what I will do with those because there's a lot of them, but it's a very, <laughs> very cool thing to, to have um, and to have collected. So yeah, those, those are some important things to me. Two more questions about your college program, and then I want to get into your book. So the first one yeah. is, what surprised you the most about being a cast member? I think what surprised me the most is how much more of a fan I became of Disney. I didn't think that was possible. Um, <laughs> but I think I just gained a greater appreciation of everything. I gained an, an, an incredible appreciation of how could they possibly run this roller coaster and get it up and running every single day. Like the college program, kids always get the worst schedules, right? Oh, They're always yeah. working the late shift. <laughs> always working the late shift. And at Magic Kingdom, when you're there during spring break, I mean, you're getting you're getting into your job at like six o'clock at night and leaving at like two in the morning, right? Because the park would close at like one some nights. So we're getting there and there's a whole, you know, five, six people of third shift maintenance cast members who are literally just working on mine train, just working on mine train at night. They, they're not working on any other ride and it's a full-time job for them. They're coming in the whole, every, every day and they're working just on maintaining that one attraction. And that's just one attraction across Magic Kingdom where all these other attractions have the same sort of thing going on. To be able to turn that roller coaster on every single day and run it every single day, I mean, it 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 literally takes an army of people to do that. And you multiply that across one land, across one park, across all of Walt Disney World, you start to get so many moving parts that could go wrong at, at any point in time and in the grand scheme of things rarely do. Those little things of just being able to operate things and get them up and running and still have those attention to details that Disney's known for just gave me a greater sense of of how complex it is to run this place and the training involved with any everything, how well done that was. Um, I just gained an incredible appreciation that I don't think you can have unless you, you worked at the company. I concur. <laughs> so over the years, the college program has gotten a lot more competitive and I'm now seeing people that are applying three and four times before they get accepted to their first yeah. college program, let alone, you know, beyond that, what advice would you give to someone that does get accepted going into their college program? Like, you know, they're, they're packed up, they're ready to go down there. What advice would you want them to take with them? First off, their new dorms that they're living in. Congrats on getting accepted because right. these things are freaking sweet. Um, congrats on that. I would say, you know, 
the the I kind of mentioned it a little bit before, but going with the mindset of this is a job. There's going to be plenty of time for fun, but focus on doing a good job and you'll be able to learn so much from this and take this on with you for the rest of your life, whether it's working for Disney or working elsewhere or doing whatever, you know, your heart desires. Um, The other thing I would say is say yes to as much stuff as possible because in the grand scheme of things, when you're on the college program, you don't have that many responsibilities, right? You got to feed yourself. You got to take care of yourself. You got to show up from work, but that's kind of it. You know, it's like this interesting sort of gap before the real world actually kicks in, right? So say yes to as much as possible. Say yes to going to other theme parks, to exploring other areas of Orlando, to taking a, a, a lecture seminar from that Disney puts on to, you know, going and doing something different in the parks. Um, say yes to as much as possible. Uh, and then also meet as many people as humanly possible. I think you can really, really open your eyes from the relationships that you build um, in life in general. And working on the college program, you're not going to find a more diverse set of human beings. Diverse in, you know, race, ethnicity, all of that stuff that you typically think about, but also in the background, in where they grew up, in how they interact, in what countries they're from, in their lifestyles, in everything. You're going to meet so many interesting people. And I think that those relationships can help you in so many ways. It can help you from a professional uh, perspective. It can help you from a personal perspective. And then it can help you just from seeing what else is out there in the world and learning so much about the world in general. Um, I think that that's the really, really, really cool sort of thing. I remember one day I was working the front desk and I was standing there and I was like, wow, my cast members, and unfortunately this isn't the case right now, but hopefully it will soon be, my cast members that are standing next to me are that one's from Brazil, that one's from France, that one's from Puerto Rico, that one's from Buffalo, New York, I'm from Maryland, we're from all over the world, yet we're standing right here, we're doing the same job, and we're we're friends to, together in that capacity. I think that that's really, really, really cool, so try to meet as many people and form as many relationships as you can. That's good advice. I, I, in fact, when you said say yes to everything, that is like always my number one thing is say yes to everything. Go to Cocoa Beach, go to Clearwater, go to Universal, don't go to SeaWorld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw that one coming and I still laughed. I'm like, oh, that's good. Um, and also in a work capacity, you know, when they ask you to work an extra shift because someone called out sick. Say yes to that. I feel like I got so many unique opportunities because I said yes when other people said no. So I got to work special events that had absolutely nothing to do with my role in the park because my manager just recommended me to to go do it. So Connor is right. Say yes to everything. Just be exhausted for six months. (laughs) You can sleep later. 
<laughs> you can sleep in your dad. My um my roommate actually did that. We he was my roommate and we both worked at Yacht and Beach Club and one day he stayed there for his second program when I was working at um Mine Train. And one day he comes in and is like, Hey, our manager asked me to do a th- like a, a like a third shift, like a late night shift, because someone called out and I said yes. And then he just became the third shift, like f- a full time cast member, like just because he said yes that one night, got paid extra money for that, and then rolled it into a full time gig. And now he still works for the company, not doing third shift, but he was able to get out of that role once he was full time and like start working in guest relations and other stuff. And it was literally cause he was just in right place at the right time. But he said, yes, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Work graveyard for a little bit. And you know, the rest is history. That's awesome. I love it. Okay. I want to shift now and talk about your book a little bit. So mm-hmm. I don't want to give away the farm because we want people to go read it. But I do want to say that I think it's for a lot of audience. That's a wrap on this episode. Thanks so much for riding the red line with us. Please be sure to check out all of the links to Connor's great content, including his book, in the show notes. Now that you've had a listen, we invite you to join our Main and Magic Friends community over on Facebook to share your thoughts about the episode. You are welcome to pop in to share an idea, story, photo, and just connect with other Disney fans. You can also ask questions, get and give advice, post updates from the parks, and just have some fun. So head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Main and Magic to join. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Main and Magic. If you've got a comment or a question, you can email me at mainandmagic at gmail.com or you can use the contact form on the website. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share it out on social media and pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, in the Disney tradition around here, we don't like to say goodbye, so we say see you real soon. Bye.